care of the remote control that uh, certain things didn't come on the television and offend the Lord Jesus? Would you be, would, would you have to be really concerned about that or would things continue as they always have? I think most of us would say, wow, I, I think I'd be a lot more careful than I normally am if Jesus were sleeping on the living room couch. I mean, we think about that. But what did this say? It said a virgin would bring forth his child and shall call, bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. You know, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. It says that the Lord, we know that the Lord sees and hears and knows everything that we do. But how often are we mindful of that truth? You go back to the very beginning of the Bible. God created man a created woman, he put them in a garden that called the Garden of Eden. Some people say, oh, that's just uh, poetry and it's just a made-up story. No, it was real facts. They were real people. It is not hard to conceive. In fact, even the evolutionist, they find a new oldest fossil, uh, which they have on many occasions. Uh, and this new oldest fossil becomes Adam or Eve, depending on... Uh, uh, who the fossil belongs to, and there have been a whole lot of them. Why can't there just be one? Just like the Bible said. And by the way, with all of the diversity in the human genome, would anyone here look at another human being and say they're not human? We'd have some pretty strong words for that, would we not? Uh, we would really disagree with that, would we not? We would say, hey, all human beings are human, and they need to be treated that way, amen? And God says, I want to walk with you. I want to live with you. You read in the Garden of Eden, it says, the voice of the Lord came in the cool of the day. Everything was shutting down, quiet. God came and said, I want to talk to you. But where were Adam and Eve? They were hiding because of sin. That's why Jesus was born. Because this whole idea of God with us could not be. Because sin had entered into the world. And so God chose a virgin, a woman who was pure. But under the law, she was engaged. The, the, the Bible says that Joseph was her husband. They had not started living together yet as husband and wife. But according to the Jewish traditions... When the engagement process began, that, that was actually marriage. It took a divorce settlement just as if you were married to dissolve 
that betrothal period. And here we have Mary and Joseph coming together under the law. But before they came together, God interjected a son. Different from any other child that was ever born. I saw an article the other day about 1% or something like that, little less than 1% of women giving birth today claim to still be virgins when they give birth. Uh, You know what? Ignorance has no premium, does it? And it just continues to go on, but only one could actually make that claim. And only two people in the whole world believed it when it happened. That was Mary and Joseph. We could spend the whole evening talking about the faith that it took on the part of Mary and Joseph to simply believe God's word and endure everyone else not believing it was God's word. You know, it's easy to have faith when everybody around you agrees. It's a little harder to have true faith when everybody says, no, that can't be. But I love the way the angel put it when he talked to Mary in Luke chapter 2. I want you to turn with me, John chapter 1. He said, for with God... Nothing shall be impossible. Amen. Luke chapter 1 and verse 14. This is a passage that we, we should be well familiar with. It says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Just skip back to verses 1 of this same chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. It says the Word was made flesh, and He dwelt among us. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, didn't we? Isaiah 53. He came unto his own, John will tell us, in between here. And what did his own do? They received him not. But you see, God was knocking at that door again. He says, I'm going to show you what it means to dwell among you and walk with you. And Jesus, as the God-man, did such an incredible job that the Pharisees, when they beheld him, says, we believe you need to be stoned because you're a man and you're making yourself God. Isaiah 53 said there was nothing about him that would make us desire him. All the people who try to tell the story, they, they make Jesus some physically attractive and special person. 
The Bible tells us that wasn't true. There was nothing when you looked at him to distinguish him because he was 100% man. But oh, if you talked to him, if you came to him blind, you left with working eyes. If he came upon you and you were lame, those ankle bones received strength and you walked. Oh, there was something divine about Jesus. In fact, he said, if you don't believe me, believe the works. Believe me for the very works sake. He did things that no other human being ever did, and yet the greatest thing that he did was put up with mankind. Amen? How many times did he tell his disciples, Oh, you faithless generation, how long do I have to suffer with you? Paraphrasing, of course. He came walking on the water and Peter said, Lord, if that's really you. Now, Jesus had just told him it was him, right? He identified himself as the Lord and Peter says, Lord, if that's really you, let me walk on the water. How far did Peter get? Well, the Bible doesn't measure it in feet, but uh, it tells us not very far. But he cried, Lord, save me. And guess whose hand was there to grab a hold of him? And I believe Peter walked back to the boat. I think it'd be pretty easy to walk on water holding his hand. Amen. That's what it meant. He dwelt among us. The disciples said we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But I want you to read one other passage with me. Will you turn to Revelation chapter 21? Almost the end of your Bible. We're going to read the first several verses here of Revelation chapter 21. John is giving a testimony of what God revealed to him. And he says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. You see, God's going to accomplish his goal of dwelling among his people. But when God lives among his people, things have got to be different. I love this verse. There's not a one of us in this room, if we're old enough, if we've live long enough that do, do, does not have things in our life that we regret. Things that we just wish we couldn't remember. Things we are so glad 
that we do not have to go to another human being and talk about them, but in private we can seek the forgiveness that only Jesus gives. Amen? But you know what that verse says? It says the former things are passed away. You know what? God's going to give me a new memory. And there's a whole lot in it that just ain't going to be there. Amen? You see, when God really lives among his people, it's not God who's benefited. It's we. But he's not going to live a, allow us the privilege of his presence. He is not going to live among us the way we are right now. He's done putting up with the foolishness of man. He did that for three and a half years in the ministry of the disciples. And about 30 years before that, as he lived in this earth, he put up with man. And when it came to man trying to accomplish the best that man could, he laid down and willingly took the nails and willingly laid down his life that he may take it again. But when he comes back, going to be different only those that have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ only those that are worthy not because of what they have done or what they have attained they're worthy by the blood of the lamb that taketh away the sins of the world they are worthy because they have surrendered their soul to the Savior and accepted what he did on Calvary's cross and at Gethsemane's tomb, I mean not Gethsemane, the garden tomb, to be all that was necessary for sin payment forever. See, every time God has tried to walk with man, Man has tried to improve himself. What did the devil tell Eve? If you just disobey God, you could be just like God. You know both good and evil, just like God does. Well, there is only one hook in that lie. Once you and I know evil, we can no longer do good. We can't go back and erase evil. Only God can know evil and not be touched by it. When Jesus walked the face of this earth among them and dwelt among them and they beheld his glory. What did the disciples say? Just the day before he was crucified. Master, have you looked at the beautiful temple we have here in the city of Jerusalem? Have you beheld the stones that make up this temple and how wonderful this building is? It took 46 years to put this building together. History tells us that they would finish the temple only five or so years before the armies of Titus, the Roman general, would lay them level with the ground. Do you think Jesus was impressed with the temple? What was the justification of the priest and the scribes and the Pharisees for crucifying Jesus? Read John chapter 11. He said, if we let this man alone, 
All men are going to follow him. They're going to forsake the temple. The temple is going to be empty. You know, they thought they had something superior to Christ. But when he moves in at the end of the tribulation period and sets up his kingdom from the new Jerusalem, there's going to be a new heaven, new earth. Yeah, I'm not sure of all the timing. Is I don't believe anyone is. But I do know this. I'm going to be there to see it. Because I was just a young teenager. I stopped trying to be good enough to please him. And just ask him to save me. And he did. And he's still doing it. And he will do it forever because of who he is. He wants to dwell among us. But where he dwells, guess what isn't? There's no tears. Somebody wrote a, what I consider a very foolish song. It praises men for giving to the Lord. And one of the lines out of that silly song says, I know in heaven you're not supposed to cry, but I think I saw a tear in your eye. Oh, how deep that is. I'm sorry. That angers me. Makes me sick. There are no tears where he dwells. Not even tears of joy. Because they don't belong where he is. Amen? It says, There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. You know who I talked to this afternoon? Talked to Ray Nielsen this afternoon. He's been dying very slowly from lung cancer and several other things over the past several years. Uh, They put him on hospice care this summer, expecting him to, to be gone in just a few weeks. I'll tell you what I said. I haven't called Brother Nielsen in a while. I, I, I just dialed the number. Well, hello, how are you doing? Not quite that strong and clear, but what a joy it was. He says, you tell your church, Merry Christmas for me. He said, I'm going to do that. Amen? But you know, when we get over on the other side, there won't be any more suffering. There won't be any more cancer. There won't be any more parting over there. You know, the, there's a whole lot more to pain than arthritis, phlebitis, bursitis, and broken things. There's an awful lot of pain that no medicine on earth can touch. But let me tell you something. When you dwell with him, there is no pain. Amen? You see, that's why he was born. He tried. God dwelt with us in the garden. 
till sin stepped in. He dwelt with man as the Word became flesh, and we celebrate Christmas today. And if you get anything at all for Christmas, I want you to remember one thing. The reason we give gifts at Christmas is because He gave the gift. Amen? And He dwelt with us and put up with mankind long enough to die for our sins and to rise again from the dead. But the next time, it's going to be different. It's going to be on His rules. It's going to be in His city. And guess who's got to change? Not God, but us. And oh, is it going to be for the better. It says in that new heaven and earth, there's not going to be any more sea. You know what that sea means? It's talking about separation. There will be no more apartness in his kingdom. Because where is God? Everywhere. All at the same time. You can't be away from him. Now, as I was writing out a few notes for tonight, one little thought, and I'll just throw it out. The Bible talks about the rapture when Jesus comes. It says, the dead in Christ. It says, we shall not prevent them which are asleep, for the dead in Christ shall rise first. You know, and I've heard a lot of preachers talk about the dead. Why do the dead in Christ rise first? And one guy came up with a brilliant thought. Well, they have another six feet to go. And uh, sitting there going, you know, that's, that's a little shallow, um, shall we say. But you know why the dead in Christ rise first? Because they're already with him. And he's not letting them come back. Their bodies are going up there with them. You see, once you're with the Lord, guess what? It says ever to be with the Lord. He wants to be Emmanuel, God with us. He wants to dwell in us. He wants to be our God and he wants us to be his people. But that can't happen without the cross. Are you saved tonight? You know, if you're not, the best way you could celebrate Christmas is surrender your soul to the risen Lord. Amen? If you're struggling with life, let me tell you something. I don't care what the question is. If you are dwelling with God, you have the answer. He wants to live in us. He's given us the spirit of promise until that day when we will walk the streets of that Jerusalem where He is the light of that city.
His name is Emmanuel. The Word was made flesh, and God himself shall be with them. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we just want to thank you. Lord, how silly it would be to start a celebration of the Christmas season without remembering that the greatest gift that has ever been given to mankind was the babe of Bethlehem's manger. The eternal creator of the universe made flesh and dwelt among us. And yet, Lord, we are so glad that that was part of your plan, but not the end of your plan. Lord, we ask that during this Christmas season, you would help each one of us here tonight to look beyond the manger, to look beyond Golgotha's hill and the empty tomb, but to that new Jerusalem where you will dwell with us and we with you. For there will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more death. Lord, for the former things are passed away. Lord, I ask that during this Christmas season you would help us to think of heaven, to think of you, and your ultimate goal for us in our lives. And Lord, that we would ask you to prepare us just a little more to live with you. Before we finish our time of prayer, we'd like to give just a few moments for each one of us here to think about what God is speaking to you about. If you need to come and spend some time, the altar is open. If you'd like someone to pray with you, just get my attention as you come forward. If you're not sure about your salvation, we'd be happy to take the Bible and answer your questions. Not with the Baptist way, but what the Bible simply says. be nothing, no greater privilege tonight than to share the gospel.
Amen. And just as we're dismissed tonight, tell you what, it's just wonderful to have the college kids back home and uh, be with us this time. And they just worked up a little song here, away in uh, an arrangement of Away in the Manger. And as soon as they're done, we're dismissed.